You're listening to the Sewing Together podcast from AppletreeSewing.com, and this is episode six. Hello, it's Eastland here. Welcome to episode six of Sewing Together. Today is the second half of last week's podcast. Last week, I shared some sewing machine history and my guess on how sewing scales are passed down from generation to generation. Today, I'm going to share with you 15 mistakes I've made so you don't have to. Again, these tips are just what worked for me. No judgment here if you do things different or find that you don't need to follow these guidelines. All right, I'd like to call this section 15 mistakes I've made so you don't have to. I've organized the mistakes into the order that they might happen from the beginning of a project to the end, just to make it simple for you. And I'll post a summary of these tips on the show notes at appletreesewing.com slash podcast. Mistake number one, choosing projects beyond your skill level. You want to stretch your skills and grow and learn, but you don't want to get frustrated and quit. So there's a fine line between choosing projects that help you develop your skills and choosing projects that are beyond your skills. It's hard to know exactly what those projects are, but usually patterns explain whether they're for a beginner, intermediate, or advanced. So following those guidelines can be a good idea. If you are working with garments, there's this great website at thefoldline.com, which I'll link to in the show notes. And it has tons of different patterns and their difficulty, as well as reviews and tips from people who've actually sewn the pattern. I actually just learned about this website from the Modern Society podcast, and it is such a great website. I wish I'd known about it earlier. You can also search for specific style of a garment, or you can put in your body shape, and it will show you patterns that would be flattering on your body shape. Which brings me to my next point, number two. A common mistake is not knowing your body. And this isn't necessarily about knowing your measurements, but more so about thinking about what's in your closet. Think about what you like to wear. For example, do you prefer a gathered skirt or a pleated skirt? Do you like a long hem or a short hem? Do you like your waistline to fall at your natural waist or do you like a dropped waist? Know what you like in a garment. That way, when you make it, you'll like it. Sometimes I look at a picture of a garment and I think, oh, that looks so good on that girl. I'm going to try it. And then I make it and I try it on and it just looks awful on me. And it's not the construction. It's not the pattern. It's that it doesn't suit my body type. So for me, it's not worth it to get too adventurous. What I like to do is go in my closet and look at what I have, look at what I like to wear, and then try to find patterns that are like that. Sometimes things look great on someone else's body, but not great on my body. Now I use my closet to guide me. Number three is make sure that you're using the right fabric. In episode two, I talked about how with knits, you have to make sure that you're using the appropriate stretch. But beyond that, you want to make sure you're actually using the recommended fabrics. You shouldn't make a garment with a woven that's intended for knits or vice versa because the ease is not the same between woven and knits. Using the wrong fabric will often leave you with a garment that doesn't fit or it doesn't hang properly. 
Now, I do know the struggles of finding a fabric in a pattern you like that match each other. And like I mentioned before, sometimes the only way to discover new things is by breaking the rules. So feel free to get adventurous, but just be aware that your finished garment might not work out for you if you're not following the fabric recommendations. For me, I have learned to just follow the fabric recommendations. Okay, tip number four is to pre-wash your fabrics or I really should say pre-launder your fabrics. For me, if it can't go in the washing machine and the dryer, I can't wear it. I cannot be bothered to separate out my laundry. I pre-wash and pre-dry all of my fabrics so that I know they will have a better chance of surviving my laundry routine. Some projects may not require you to pre-wash your fabrics, but I pretty much always just throw my fabrics right in the laundry when I get home from the fabric store. Not only do I pre-wash my fabrics to account for any shrinkage, but I also like to get off those yucky factory chemicals and the fabric store dirt before I start sewing. I should share my story of the first minky blanket I ever made for my son. I did not pre-wash my fabrics and the front of the fabric or the front of the blanket was this woven cotton and the back was minky. Now cotton shrinks quite a bit when you wash it and dry it in the dryer and minky, which is polyester, does not. Now I spent time, I applied his name across the front and I spent a lot of time making this blanket for him and when I washed it, it got completely ruined. The top shrunk so much and the back didn't shrink at all, so it just was all wonky and it looks really awful. And he still loves it, but I hate to even look at it. Now that was my first ever minky blanket, so it really did look pretty awful anyway. The blanket had a brown top and I used white construction thread to top stitch it. It was awful. But I did learn a very valuable lesson then, which was to pre-wash my fabrics. I want to add to this point, though, that some projects require that you do not pre-wash. For example, if you're making a rag quilt, you don't want to pre-wash your flannel because when you make it, you want to wash it and then get the fabric to get all frayed after you wash it. I would just say rather than having the rule be pre-wash your fabric, it should be prepare your fabric, which leads me to my next tip, which is to iron your fabric. Again, you can't iron all fabrics, but for fabrics that can be pressed, you really want to get the wrinkles out before you begin cutting. Even now, sometimes I skip this step if I'm working with knits and it's not too wrinkly, but I know I should be pressing. I know I should always press my fabrics before I, get, I begin. It helps you to get an accurate cut. If you have wrinkles in your fabric when you're cutting, it's pretty impossible to get an accurate cut because the way the fabric bunches. So get the wrinkles out before you begin. Tip number six, choose the right size pattern. To do this, you need to take your measurements and you should actually take your measurements wearing the undergarments that you want to wear underneath the garment you're creating. Don't choose your size based on your ready-to-wear size. So when you go out and purchase clothing, you might know what size you generally are. Don't choose that size for your pattern. Measure yourself. Different pattern designers use different standard sizes to create their sizes. You really should measure every single time you start a new pattern. Don't be concerned with what the actual number is. It might not match your ready-to-wear size. Just look at your measurements and choose your size that way. Tip number seven 
is for PDF patterns. When you're printing a PDF pattern, make sure you do not scale the pattern, unless, of course, if the pattern says you scale it, if it says you need to scale it, then scale it. But I think all the patterns I've used, you do not scale, you print actual size. So when you print your pattern, you need to check your test square. Usually there's a test square on there that's a one inch by one inch test square. If your test square is off by even one thirty-second of an inch, that number increases exponentially when the pattern is scaled up. So if you're making a shirt, let's say with a 36 inch bust, if your test square is one thirty-second of an inch off, your bust will end up being over an inch off. So you need to ensure that your test square is correct before you begin. Tip number eight, be careful with directional prints. You need to make sure that if you're working with a directional fabric, you place your pattern pieces the right way on the fabric. You need to be really careful with directional prints. I actually often avoid buying directional prints just because I'm terrified of making that mistake. I also find that you have to use a lot of extra fabric when you're using directional prints just because of the pattern placement. So I tend to try to avoid those, but I'm, sometimes I just can't resist because it's too cute. But if you're working with directional prints, just make sure you're careful with your pattern piece placement. Okay, tip number nine, sort of related to tip number eight, and that is to follow the grain line identified in your pattern. Sometimes this means you need to cut at what looks like an awkward angle and it seems like it's wasting fabric or it's not quite right, but the grain line is strategically identified to get the proper fit and the proper hang. So you need to follow the grain line markings on the pattern. And if you don't know what a grain line is, the grain line runs parallel to the salvage. So it runs up and down from cut edge to cut edge. Okay, tip number 10, copy your pattern markings. It might seem like they're unnecessary, because they're just these small little details, but they are placed there for a reason. They'll help you fit the pieces together properly, so make sure you copy your pattern markings by either notching or using chalk or a water-soluble marker. You need to copy them while you're tracing the pattern, not after you're assembling your pieces, because it's hard to get them in the right place after you've started attaching seams. There has been many times where I've forgotten to add the markings and I try to add them after a few seams have been sewn and it is pretty tricky. So take time to add the markings while you are tracing or cutting. Tip number 11, cut accurately. Assuming your pattern has a built-in seam allowance, which I think most US patterns do, you wanna make sure you cut right along the edge of the pattern. Adding a little bit of fabric around the edge will add up and it will affect the overall fit of your garment. But also it could make it so that your pattern pieces themselves don't fit each other. It's kind of like a puzzle and if someone were to cut jigsaw pieces just slightly off, it would make it so the puzzle doesn't fit together properly. So make sure you are cutting accurately. Tip number 12, use the correct needle. In episode two, I touched on this a bit about how you should use a ballpoint needle with knits so that you don't get tiny tears in the seam, but just generally you should be using the right needle for the job. Now, I don't know enough information to always know what the correct needle is, so what I do is when I go and buy a fabric from the fabric store, I just ask the people working there which needle I should use. 
Also, um, sometimes on the actual needle casing, it'll give you guidelines of what kind of fabrics you want to use with it. So that's helpful as well. For me, the biggest danger with using the incorrect needle isn't about skipped stitches or tears. It's the potential that the needle might break off and mess up my machine. So just make sure that you're using the correct needle for your fabrics. Tip number 13, don't skip pinning when easing. Now, this is kind of a tricky tip because I really do skip pinning a lot, but the key here is when you're easing. If I'm fitting two fabrics that are different lengths or even two fabrics that are different shapes, I definitely do pin. As your skills improve, maybe you don't need pins, and I use less pins now than I used to when I first started sewing, but I still use pins more as markers to identify where the pieces should line up than to actually hold the fabric pieces together. Tip 14, this is a really, really bad one that I used to do all of the time, but I never ever do anymore. Tip number 14 is don't sew over your pins. This can really wreck your machine. I have broken a lot of sewing machine needles by sewing over pins. And in my mind, I was like, oh, well, there goes a $1 needle. But no, the bigger concern is that it can wreck your machine. You can also get hurt. I wear glasses when I sew because I can't see close up without glasses. But you could potentially get a piece of needle in your eye too. Or it could get stuck in your garment and scratch you. Um, it also makes your stitches kind of wonky because assuming the needle doesn't break, the needle sort of is pushed out of the way. So I'm using my hands here. <laughs> the needles pushed out of the way by the pin making the stitching uneven. If for some reason I do need to sew with the pins intact then I will use the hand wheel to move the needle just to be safe. But even that I don't think I've done in a really long time. I really just avoid sewing over pins. Last tip, tip number 15, press your seams before you join them together. This really does make a difference. I'll be honest, sometimes I skip this, but I know it makes a difference. If I'm making a garment that I'm putting a lot of time or money into, I need to press the seams to get it to look right. Getting those seams to line nice does make a big difference when the garment's finished. When I first started sewing, I heard this all the time that you need to press your seams and I never listened. And when I finally did try it, I could tell the difference. So make sure you press your seams. Now, I want to share some responses from our friends on social media. So I put the same question out there. What are some sewing mistakes that you used to make that you've learned from? And here are some of the responses I got. Tiffany from Tiff and Talk commented on the Facebook page with a great example of why you want to follow fabric recommendations. She wrote, quote, I remember using two-way stretch for leggings, even though it called for a four-way stretch. The fabric was perfection. I needed leggings in that print. Suffice to say, it really didn't work. So I chopped the legs at the top and sewed them onto a fitted boxer brief pattern I had, and now I pretend it was on purpose, end quote. I understand the struggle to find the fabric and pattern to match each other, and sometimes you can get away with deviating, but the recommendations really are there for a reason. Just like in Tiffany's example, you might end up with something that doesn't fit you at all if you don't follow the fabric recommendations. In our Facebook group, Sheena wrote, quote, 
Don't be afraid to use your seam ripper for ripping serger thread. I got lazy and tried to just go over the seam twice to close a gap I missed when attaching a sleeve. The extra thread made the seam too stiff and resulted in a puckered shoulder. So I had to take all the thread out and start over because I was trying to take a shortcut in the beginning, end quote. That's really great advice. And sometimes I do the same sort of thing where I try to take a shortcut and it just creates more work. So it's best to just do it right the first time. Okay, I have one more to share. Dora commented on the Facebook page and Dora is actually a coworker of mine and she is crazy creative. She knit my baby this beautiful blanket while she was traveling Europe with her kids and he sleeps with it every night. Anyway, here's what she had to say. Quote, Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. As for mistakes, I've made lots, but the majority of them fall into two categories for me. Firstly, too eager to finish a project and skimping on steps like pressing seams in between and running into problems, not remeasuring myself and picking the wrong pattern size with old measurements, not reading through the entire pattern before starting, etc. Or secondly, not matching proper things together. Fabric not suited for a pattern, wrong needle choice, who knew a ballpoint needle was necessary not to leave holes in knits, I do now, wrong interfacing choice, etc. As for rules I don't follow, I love to sew with a quarter inch or three-eighths of an inch seam allowance, not five-eighths of an inch. And I usually change the recommended hemming technique to look more like a commercially made product. End quote. I have a major problem with rushing and making more work for myself. Just today, I was making a dress and I was rushing to finish because the baby was napping and I knew I only had a little bit of time to get it done and I really wanted to wear it tonight and I forgot to press the pockets before sewing the side seams. So it was a dress with um, inseam pockets and I forgot to press them before sewing the side seams and I ended up spending probably three or four times the amount of time it would have taken to press in the first time, trying to get them pressed after. If I had not been rushing, I could have quickly pressed them before sewing and I would have been finished earlier than if I had been rushing. All right, now when you're making mistakes while sewing for yourself, I have some good news and some bad news for you. The bad news is when you make a mistake, you will probably notice that mistake every time you wear that garment because you have literally looked through every single seam of that garment, you have inspected virtually every single inch. So you'll notice all those tiny little mistakes. The good news is, if you make these mistakes, they probably will still look better than your ready to wear clothes. If you inspect your purchased clothing, you will likely notice mistakes, sometimes worse than what you would do. I have garments I've purchased and worn for months or even years before I noticed the errors. So any errors that you make on your own garments probably won't be noticed by anyone else. If you'd like the links to any of the websites I've mentioned, or you'd like a printable list of the 15 tips I shared today, visit appletreesewing.com podcast. Don't forget, you can join in on our podcast conversation by participating on social media. Follow me on Instagram at appletreesewing, on Facebook also at appletreesewing, or join our Facebook group by searching Facebook for appletreesewing patterns. Thanks for listening.